Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 112-106 to loss to the Toronto Raptors of Tampa Bay uh, on Sunday night at Amelie Arena in, in, in Tampa Bay. I, I never will get used to saying that and hopefully won't have to get used to it. What's the, uh, what's the name of the dang thing? It is Amelie Arena. Amelie? A-M-A-L-I-E. I think it's like an oil company or something like that. Well, it sounds like it sounds like somebody getting cute with a girl's name. <laughs> yeah. Misspelling uh, something on purpose. Yeah, I'm seeing Amelie Oil Company. It's headquartered in Tampa, founded in 1903. So a little history lesson uh, to start us off tonight. What's an oil company doing in Tampa? <laughs> <laughs> Got, I don't know. Like, do they have oil in Florida? That's just a serious question. Is there oil in Florida? I don't know. This sounds like I mean, a Tales entry to me. You know, you go, you start drilling, and all of a sudden you're in a swamp and letting the alligators at you. So I don't understand that. But, I've never been to Tampa. Uh, I've been there once. Um, been there once. Um, the beach is nice. Uh, place else in Florida, the beach is nice, and anything in between beaches, you can. I'll give you. You can have it, and if I have it, I'll sell it to you for eleven dollars. <laughs> so, <laughs> the beach is nice. Nothing else is. All right. Well, we'll we'll back to the proceedings of tonight, uh, Barry. Just before we started recording, we were talking about how this was um, a pretty good night for the Thunder because it was another loss, the tenth straight, and when you're talking about lottery odds in this reverse world uh that that is a good thing and we have something to talk about because Lou Dort scored 21 points in the first quarter he only finished I say only he finished with 29 points uh which is still pretty good by Lou, Lou Dort standards but it's what he's been averaging over these last four games and he joined pretty good company tonight by scoring 20 points in a quarter. He became the seventh Thunder player in history to do that. The other six, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So, uh, Barry, what what, did you think of another crazy Lou Dort scoring performance and him scoring 20 points in a quarter? Well, he was unconscious that first quarter. Seven of seven from the field, five of five from three. He was playing uh, one-on-one, not one-on-one, but he and the countryman Chris Boucher. Yeah. He had 17 in the first quarter. And they had uh, – I wrote it down. The teams combined for – everybody else on the court, both teams combined uh, had uh, – um, not, not counting the two, the two big guys, 59 – uh, had 21 points, right? Yeah. The uh, the Thunder scored 10 and uh, 11 for the uh, for the uh, Raptors. So every, everybody on both teams scored 21 points except those two. One of them scored 21. The other one scored 17. Yeah. It was two guys sort of playing out of their league is what it was. Um, so – it was great. It was it was fun. It was, was in many ways a perfect game for the Thunder. Or I shouldn't say that a perfect game for me because what I want, I need the Thunder to lose, and I need somebody to do something interesting so we have something to write about. And we got both of those things tonight. Yeah, so, you know, Dort's amazing. Um, 
I actually, you know, I had to go to Tennessee over the weekend for a funeral. So I drove all the way to Knoxville. And um, Friday night, I was at uh, a dinner before the funeral. So I don't get back to my hotel room until about 10 o'clock. And so about 11, I start watching the replay of the Thunder. And I get tired by midnight. So I go to bed at halftime, get up and watch the second half of Saturday morning. And when you do that, I just watch it. I don't chart it. Don't really follow it. And I really wasn't real clued in. I knew Dort was playing well, but, you know, lo and behold, he had 26 points against the Pistons. Yeah. So these last three games, he's averaging 32 points a game. Yeah. Well, if you go uh, last four games, he's averaging 29 points a game and he's shooting 55% from three. Well, so – you know, my line of questioning after uh, after the game, I was asking uh, Mark Dagnall and Lou, how much of this is how much of this is um, just Lou becoming Lou Dort, and how much of this is with uh, with the primary players, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Al Horford, that crowd, with them sidelined. How much is it just opportunity? Yeah. I, I'm starting to lean toward it's not just opportunity because when you do this night after night, you know, it's, it's more than just somebody's got to score. If, if it's just somebody's got to score, then it's going to be Mihalik or it might be. Yeah, it, it, but it's been one guy. So. It's been one guy. It's yeah. been one guy. So I'm starting to think. The Lou Dort ascension uh, program is in uh, is in overdrive. Yeah, and, and the thing you know, I, I thought it was a good question because I've been wondering the same thing. And basically, Dagnall said it's a little bit of both. It's part opportunity, part Dort's development. Lou even said himself that it's a little bit of both as well. But you, you just look at what he's done these last four games, and it's something we've never seen from Lou Dort. It's just like being in this position of being the primary scorer, being the target of the defense. Uh, Toronto definitely paid more attention to him over those final three quarters when he only scored eight points. But um, the three-point shooting has improved. I mean, he's on a a crazy hot stretch in these last four games or so. Um, The other wild part about tonight, he was a game-time decision. Mark Dagnall said before the game that um, he had a right hip strain and he was a game time decision and it ended up being a, a good call on his part. I guess that he he played, but um, I wanted to get into what I thought was a really cool connection. 30% of the starters tonight are from Montreal. You had Lou Dort for the Thunder and then you had Chris Boucher and Kim Birch for the Raptors. And Boucher, he's had like a late breakout to his you know career. He's He's 28 years old. Um, started with the Warriors, now with the Raptors, and he's a six-eight forward who is one of the NBA's best shot blockers, and he's shooting 38% from three-point range. Tonight he had 31 and 12. Um, he was six of nine from three. And Boucher looks like the sort of the model guy that you want, someone who can, you know, step out and shoot it and protect the paint. Um, so He's got a really good story. He had a 38-point game earlier this month, and I asked Lou about Boucher after the game, and he said that they're both from the same neighborhood in Montreal. Um, Boucher is older than Dort, and Lou said he um, grew up watching him play and, you know, obviously knew of Boucher. 
And the connections go a little deeper than that. Both of them um, went to the Pac-12. Boucher played at Oregon. Dort played at Arizona State. And then both went undrafted um, and now have carved out pretty steady roles and, and become good NBA players. So I thought the, you know, adding Birch in there as well, but specifically the Boucher-Dort connection was pretty cool. Well, it it was. And this Canadian thing is starting to pick up some steam in terms of really good players from Canada coming along. Um, yeah. I mean, the, like what's crazy is they haven't yet qualified for the Olympics this summer. And, and Lou was actually asked about that after the game. And he said he, he does want to try out for team Canada. I would say that he's probably got a spot if he uh, is interested. Yeah. yeah no, I don't think he has to try out. I mean, <laughs> I think he has to check the box. But but they still have to like they still have to qualify. They haven't yet qualified yet. Um, now losing Jamal Murray is obviously a big blow to the Canadians. But you, you've got Jamal Murray, you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lou Dort, Andrew Wiggins, R.J. Barrett, Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks. Um, I know I'm probably leaving some out, but there's some really good Canadian players right now, and most of them are young. Tristan, Tristan Thompson's another one. Um, but yeah, some, some good names. Yeah. It's a, uh, and, and, you know, Dort's the, the poster child for a guy that's sort of overlooked, but you know, clearly he's, he's just progressing wonderfully. So, um, and we've talked about this, but the best part is Lou Dort accelerates the thunder rebuild when he plays like this. Um, you know, you, you when, when you got guys like that who are, let's see, he's 21. I think he, I think he turns 22 tomorrow. Is that right? I think Lou Dort's birthday is tomorrow. Do, do, do you just know that off the top of your head? Yeah, no, I, I saw it last week. No, last week I saw somebody's turning 22. You are correct. April 19th, 1999 is the day. Lou there you go. Born. So Lou Dort turns 22 tomorrow. I hope they give him the day off for his birthday. So, <laughs> I um, hey I will <laughs> I will almost guarantee that Lou Dort will uh, have tomorrow off on the second night of back to excellent. That's excellent news. <laughs> but, you know when when a guy is twenty one, his last game at twenty one, um, plays like that, you know it that's that's just a wonderful wonderful sign of uh, the Thunder future. So hey, tw- twenty one points in a quarter on the last day is twenty one. There you go. <laughs> Put it in the paper. Put it in the newspaper. You feel free to use it. Um, but uh, he's a uh, yeah. It's, it's just an excellent thing for the Thunder. So um, I don't. You know, he's still not a pure shooter. I know he, you know, guy making shots like he does. He still about once a game throws up one that you know take out some birds, but. You know, he, he, he gets hot. He's a, he's a streak shooter and nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. Uh, the other guy that, that stood out tonight from a Thunder perspective was Alexei Pokashevsky. Oh, man. Did, oh, he did, man. He did quite a bit of everything. So he did not shoot the ball well. 4 of 14, 0 of 8 from 3. A few of those were in and out. But he had 8 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, um, and 6 blocks. And the Thunder had this wild stat. I, I mean, it's it's very specific, but um, obviously something a PR department would put out that he's the first rookie since LeBron James in 2004 
to have at least five points, five assists, five rebounds, and five blocks in a game. But, um, Bear, I don't know about you, but I thought uh, of all of those categories, the blocks were the most impressive tonight. Yeah, it, they were. He was very impressive at, at uh, defending the rim. A couple of those, the uh, Raptors didn't see it coming. Um, a couple of uh, transition, a couple of transition shots. Um, Poku stopped at the rim, and I think I think that's a part of his game that's been there from the start, really. And I think that could be the most disruptive part of his defense, of course. And um, I actually was pretty impressed by that LeBron thing. Um, you know, if it was if it was three, 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 you know, something like that. But five's a lot. Yeah. Five's a, you talk about block shots and assists for somebody that doesn't handle the ball that much. Yeah, those are the two. Is like five assists and five blocks is pretty rare. Yeah. So. By the way, he could have had more. I, I know this is basically every player every night, but he could have had more assists. I thought he passed the ball extremely well. Yeah, so every, I liked everything about his game tonight. He didn't, like you said, he didn't shoot all that great. But um, He's an emerging Chris Boucher out there. <laughs> think, how, think how much he's progressed since we first saw him. I mean, the first 10, 15 games we watched the play, it, yeah, I had no idea. If it's he, not a stretch to say he was the worst player in the NBA. Well, no, no. And I think you said it several times. But um, but for now to watch him, I mean, you got to account for him. He's a little bit like Moses Brown in that you got to talk about him in the, in the, in the uh, pregame strategy meeting, the opponent's. Yeah. You got to say, you got to watch this guy because he could be eight feet from you and still block your shot and those kinds of things and keep your head up because he's a good passer. So he's made remarkable progress. He's actually made more progress than Lou Dort, if you ask me. I mean, I, yeah, crazy. It's just crazy how much progress he's made. Yeah. Well, and like the, the defense is. And, and man, let me say this. Remember early in the year? The over-under for how many times he would fall down in the game? <laughs> Five. When's the last time he's fallen down? He never falls down anymore. <laughs> he's staying on his feet even. so. We've I mean, got some pretty advanced stats these days, but I don't think like knockdowns or fall downs is a, is a stat we can track in the NBA. Well, that's a hole. That's a hole. In the, <laughs> but um, just that one thing. He's just more comfortable, more stable, more everything. Yeah, the, the most impressive part about his defense to me, and again, like, I I didn't know anything about Pokashevsky other than what I read from draft experts and, and people who, you know, had, had scouted him. But, like, everything was about his offense. It was about his handle, his outside shooting. Nothing was about his defense, at least that I read. And, like, his defense has been the most underrated part of his – we all go crazy of the, the passing and the shooting and whatnot. But, like, he doesn't – get abused defensively and even if he gets beat which he does because you know he's not the fastest guy obviously at seven feet tall but like he's so long that he can block guys from behind or disrupt shots from behind and they like can feel his presence so to me his like his defense is well ahead of of where I thought it would be his offense is so much better than it was to start the year and if he's improving this much in season in a condensed season where they're practicing like once a week maybe if that um, he came in, you know, 
in a condensed off season with a, with a longer off season with training camp, uh, a, a normal training camp with, with summer league. Like I just being in the strength and conditioning program, um, boy, I, I think he could really improve over the off season going into a second season. Yeah. So when you look at Dort and Poku together, um, we thought the Thunder future was bright, and it is because of all those draft picks. But, you know, some of the guys on this roster are guys that you're starting to get a little bit excited about. Yeah. Well, I know he, you know, didn't flash all that much tonight, but, like, Maladon is another one of those guys. And, um, you know, Baisley um, a, a little bit, I think, is still still in that mix. But, um. Very ten straight losses. Uh, pulling up the handy dandy. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Let's not let Basley. I thought Basley played a solid game. Basley has been pretty good. Yeah, and you know he had six of fifteen tonight, but he three of five from three point range. At sixteen points, eight rebounds. He's starting to reverse a lot of the question marks, bad vibes that sort of plagued him earlier in the year. So yeah. Yeah, so I'm 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 getting I'm I'm not he's, he's actually been really good since coming back from that yeah. shoulder injury. I'm not bullish on him, but I'm not too down on him. So I'm thinking, you know, there might be some might be some more reason for optimism there. Hey, the other thing that I thought was interesting out of post game is Mark Dagnall. So Poku was four fourteen, oh of eight from three. And I would say Dagnall has sort of alluded to his um body language at times pokus obviously they got in that you know sort of heated exchange uh, i forgot what game it was but a couple weeks ago but he said poku gets frustrated after misses and they he, he's got to see what he's doing um tonight was a great example the other things he's doing on the floor he had five of everything else basically even though he, he didn't shoot the ball well and Poku, after the game, I asked him about it, and he said it was mainly because he missed, like, big shots that could have changed the game or, or something along those lines. But I, I do think it'll be interesting. He's the youngest, unless something has changed, and I've missed it. He's still the youngest player in the NBA. He's, he's 19 years old. He was 18 when he got drafted, so he's still young, and I think um, maybe the maturity is, is, is part of his age. But what do you make of just that part and just how he – sort of composes himself on the court and maybe gets a little frustrated after misses. Well, here's what I would say. The guy's 19 years old. He's coming from Serbia, which is in Europe, but not really sort of a, a Western, westernized Europe. I mean, it's 19 years old. I don't know who came with him. I don't know who's living with him. But golly, we you know, 19-year-olds go crazy when they leave when they leave Plano and come to Norman, or they leave Fort Worth and go to Stillwater. This guy came from That's a good point. And coming to Oklahoma City, and oh yeah, they they're writing him a check for whatever, a million dollars. I mean, so he's you know, he's getting paid crazy amount of money. He'd be a college freshman. Yeah, he would be a college freshman. So, you know, he fortunately. You know, Europe does a great job of teaching of teaching uh, most of their people English, so he can speak the the language to some degree. But man, 
I don't know. I don't know how somebody like Poku it doesn't go completely nuts. I mean, when I was 19, let's see, how old was I when I got off? I was, well, I was 18. When I was 18, I got offered a job to uh, a fairly good job in Stillwater. Uh, and I remember thinking, if I moved to Stillwater, I was, you know, I was living in Norman, grew up in Norman. I was just, just getting out of high school. I was thinking, man, I can't take care of myself in Stillwater. That's like 85 miles away. <laughs> this guy's come 7,000 miles. And, and he's on a team where players don't always play. You know, he's probably sitting there scratching his head and say, what is going on? Why now Horford playing? Why is why yeah. sitting out every other game? I don't understand. Why are we trying to lose? Why do we trade George Hill? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is not why Poco is so moody or so forlorn. It's why isn't he more moody? Why isn't he more forlorn? That's a good point. I, I mean, it is it is crazy, like just to to put it into context like that, it would be like moving for moving away from your family from college and he moved countries. And like, you know, part of that he was somewhat used to. Um, we had a story kind of before the season started about I think he was 12 when he moved from Serbia to, to Greece to basically play. Um, maybe it was 15. I'm forgetting. But to play in sort of their academy. So that was like his one first big move. And then his family followed him from Serbia to Greece. So he's. He's had a lot of big moves, and so he's doing. Uh, now, when I when I was twelve, I did, <laughs> I did get driven up to Millward High School, and I, you know, and uh, practiced with an AAU team. So that and Frank, and you know what, Saint Joe, that was forty eight years ago. That was a big step for you. That was one day, one Sunday afternoon, and I remember all kinds of crap about that day. So, I mean, that That's was cool. eye opening for me. Yeah. So I can only imagine what somebody like Poku, you know, somebody like Lou Dort, who's from Montreal, it's not Serbia, but it's still, you know, different country, different culture. But he had that year at Arizona State to sort of figure out what us crazy Americans are like and what it's like to live in the Sun Belt and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the, to me, the, the, the Europeans, the, the young Europeans in the NBA do a remarkable job of adjustments. They really yeah. But by the way, um, how basically half of the Thunder's roster, or I think seven international players, they're up to now. Now that Gabrielle Deck is officially on the roster, though, there's no. Oh, what's he going to play? What's he going to play? <laughs> he's not. He's not even in the U.S. yet. He's still waiting for his visa to go through and stuff like that. So he's going to have to hurry. This this thing's winding down. I know that this is the only, uh, it's unguaranteed years from here on he out. Get, he might get paid for no, literally nothing. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it was a salary cap thing. The Thunder had to meet the floor. You got to meet 90. Yeah. You don't have to, but um, you have to at least meet 90% of the salary cap um, without incurring a penalty. And basically, if you don't meet it, whatever the difference is, gets divided among the players. So maybe all the Thunder players were upset that they signed G Gabrielle Deck, so then they uh, their paycheck got a little smaller. But, yeah, no update on that front. But speaking of international players, should have a, a pretty cool story coming up about the connection of Jalen Horde and Teo Maladon, who are both from France, and their mom. The French connection. That's our, that's our headline right there, the French connection. 
connection. We've got it ready to go. Their moms played together on the French national oh, man, team. Really? So. Have you ever seen the French connection? I have not. Oh, it's a classic. Uh, Gene Hackman, as, uh, Popeye Doyle, I think was the name of his cop. It's a heck of a movie. No doubt about it. Maybe the best car chase scene in, in cinema history. Well, before I write the story, I'll be sure to check it out. It's a big, it's a big time movie. It's a big time movie. <laughs> By and the way. And you know what's cool about it? I read about it. The, the city permits they got to run this chase scene through, you know, block after block of this car chase scene was very minimal. They filmed a bunch of that just sort of on their own, basically. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's great. When you look at it, you think, this wasn't staged or helped by the police or the city. Of, they just sort of did this. I mean, it, it, but it is a heck of a movie. But that's a, that's a line, the French Connection. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I got to check that out. But in, anyway, sort of related to that, uh, Jalen Horde and Justin Robinson, the two newest players outside of Gabrielle Deck, did not play tonight, which I think was what's that all about? A little interesting because you know the Thunder is certainly in the as they would say exploring the roster still. But uh, Justin Robinson was re-upped to a second ten-day contract. Uh, this will be the last one for him to be retained. They would have to sign him to a standard contract, and there's not room for that. So Justin Robinson's time with the Thunder will likely come to an end soon, and Jalen Hort is on a two-way deal, but. We saw both of those guys quite a bit earlier, but both of them were DNP coaches' decision tonight. Um, yes, and you know, it, this was one of the rare games, and maybe Detroit was similar, but you know, the Thunder was not outmanned tonight in talent. No. <laughs> I mean, Toronto is sitting its top four score. Yeah, sort sort of buried the lead here. We have not mentioned that Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi were all out. Now, Gary Trent has been playing out of his mind. He's a big-time player. Um, he didn't play well, didn't shoot well in the first half. He had Lou Dort all over him. Uh, he got hot in the second half. But he's clearly a big-time player, sort of like Lou Dort. But... Um, the Raptors out there running around with guys that sort of like the Thunder, the guys that's not really in their future, guys that probably not going to, you know, play a long time in the NBA. Um, so this, this was sort of an even matchup. I thought the whole game, I thought, well, this is a team Thunder matches up pretty good with. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, the Thunder has not been fine at any point this year, but the Raptors were recently fine for in for resting players but it was i, I don't want it, to it's tricky territory I, I don't know the exact details because they weren't revealed but it had something to do with they mislabeled certain injuries or or rested guys when they weren't supposed to so they were fined by the nba but then those guys rested again tonight so i have no idea what that is about but it, it's kind of interesting because toronto is in line for a top 10 pick but they're also Right. They've won three in a row now, and they might – I don't know if they want to be in the play-in tournament. Clearly, they don't really care about being in the play-in, but they would be in it currently. So what, what do you make of sort of what the Raptors are doing and how they're, like, balancing whether or not they're trying to to play for anything or not? Well, I mean, I think they're going to the Sam Presti school of, of tanking. Um, I don't think they really want to – I don't think they want to make the playoffs. I think they'd rather be in the lottery. 
They don't want to be in that goofy tournament because even if you win it, you're going to run into the Sixers or you're going to run into the Nets. And then what do you do? You know, and you throw your hands up. So yeah, and they don't care about uh, making. It's not like playoffs is some prestigious thing for them because they just won the NBA title a couple of years. Yeah, ago. that's right. They're not the Kings for crying out loud. So or the cat, you know, the Cavaliers are trying to win. But um, so I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, we're seeing a lot of teams not try. We're seeing some teams try, but we're seeing a lot of teams not try. Uh, Houston, Orlando tonight was sort of like Thunder Detroit the other night. Two teams, like I said, pushing on the same rope. So, um, you know, you, you, you can't blame them. I mean, this, this is the system. It's the system created. So what do you, what do you do? Uh, I just think the uh, uh, somebody like the Raptors, when somebody like Boucher plays, you know, as well as he does, and the Thunder, somebody like Dort plays as well as he does. That's that's those are your victories, not not the scoreboard. Yeah, of the game. That's that's your victories. Poku having a LeBron James line. If you don't mind me using some editorial. Uh, Exaggeration. You're, you're comparing Poku to LeBron James. I am comparing them too, and and, <laughs> and uh, Poku was sort of cute tonight because he was sort of trying to come up with the right word. He said, "He said, what is the word?" Um, yeah, he said, "What is the word?" Because he he meant when you when you when what he meant was when you're when you're used in the same sentence with LeBron, it's it's flattering. It's what he meant. You you could tell and, he was afraid of comparing himself to LeBron. yes, and but he ended up using the word compare. So. Uh, what he, you know, what he really means is if you end up on the same list with LeBron and nobody else is on it, hey, party hats all around. <laughs> yeah, you, you said it, not me. <laughs> um, so, but by the way, like one, one thing that has been enjoyable, I have no idea what they're saying, but Poku and Dort are certainly attracting more international media, obviously, um, French speaking media from Montreal talking to Dort and, and plenty of what I assume are media based in Serbia talking to, to Poku. And um, I have not had these answers translated, but hopefully they're not sharing big secrets about the Thunder because I have no idea what they're saying. But that's been kind of a cool development this season is to see uh, sort of the international flair of the post game press conferences now. Yeah. And, um, Let's see, this one dude sounds, he sounds like Spanish or something. That's on there quite a bit. I don't know where he's from. Yeah, I don't know. Clearly Europe, I think, but it seems like maybe from the Iberian Peninsula. Um, but he's on there a bunch, and he seems like a he seems like a solid dude. You know, one of my favorite NBA writers was old. I'm going to forget his last name. Back in the heyday of the Thunder there in the 12, 13, 14 years, Swiss, uh, Switzerland sent a sports writer over. Oh, Peter was his first name. He was a charming guy, super guy. Um, anyway, he came over to like cover the playoffs, and sometimes that lasted six weeks um, for Tabo Cephalosha. Yeah. And um, I got to know him pretty good. In fact, I gave him a ride down to Norman once. Uh, he was going to go to an OU basketball game that night after a practice. He's trying to figure out how to get down there. And I said, well, I'll, give you, you know, I'll just take you. I live in Norman. I'll take you to Lloyd Noble. So um, uh, we, we saw a lot of that. 
when when the thunder was riding high. And I think we'll probably see more when they get back in the saddle. I think, you know, with SGA and Lou Dort, the Canadian press could get fairly intrigued. And then you don't know, you know, what happens with somebody like Poku or and Maladone. Maladone, the French connection. Uh, <laughs> where's Dak from? Oh, he's South American. Yeah, Maybe Argentina. Argentine. Yeah, that. I, I, I'm anxious to see whether the Brilliants or the Argentines are more are more passionate about their about their basketball. Um, again, this is a silly question. Of course, you haven't. But I actually was at an Olympic volleyball game once, sitting in the what they call the tribunal, which is the press box slash press area. And one of the Brazilian, one of the Brazilian uh, media people literally acted like an Alabama football fan in the Iron Bowl. I mean, <laughs> dying literally on his feet, <laughs> anguished at every point lost and celebrated every point. And he was pumping his, I mean, he was literally, it looked like a Saturday night lives, only it was live. It was all the way live. So, See some Argentines come up and see if they can if they can give the Brazilian media a run for its money. Yeah, no, that that would be that'd be fun to find out. Um, we will finish this with what I assume will be a nightly thing from here on out, and it is a look at the lottery odds. The Thunder's dream of picking first and fifth is growing a tad stronger by the day. Houston currently has um, the worst. Worst record in the the NBA. Right? I mean, they're they're tied with Minnesota. They're both fifteen and forty two, which means that pick can fall no lower than fifth. And there's a forty eight percent chance that it does fall to fifth and go to the Thunder because it's top four protected. The Thunder, meanwhile, twenty and thirty seven. They've lost ten in a row. A forty two percent chance at a top four pick and a ten and a half percent chance at a at the number one pick. So. Um, you know, Orlando has the fourth worst record. They're two games worse or better, whatever you want to say, than the Thunder right now. And that four spot has a 12.5% chance. So um, I don't know. It would be hard to catch Orlando. It's certainly possible. Um, but if you do, that improves your odds by two percentage points to, to pick first. But um, the uh, – No, it was not a great night on that front because Orlando lost to Houston, which – Hurts the thunder on both ends. You want Houston to lose. Um, you want you want Orlando to win. Didn't happen tonight, but um, hope springs eternal. But yeah, the Thunder's in much better shape than it was what three weeks ago, two weeks, whenever. You know, at one point, twentieth, and they were had the twentieth best record in the league. They had ten teams behind them. You had people texting you, too good to tank. Too good to tank. And those same people now are texting me saying, I was right. They were too good to tank. That's why they've, they've cut the legs off of SGA and Al Horf. So, well, maybe they have a good point. Maybe they have a good point. Maybe they have a good point. Yeah. What, what do you um, – any, any projections on how many wins the Thunder will get to finish out the year? Where are they at now, 20? They're at 20 and 37. So the, that means uh, 15 games left. I'm going to say 22 and 50. That sounds good. Two, two, two more wins. Um, I don't think they get one against the Wizards. 
Of course, here's the deal. If you lose this game tonight, there's not a lot of teams you are going to beat. Yeah, and they, they just got swept by Detroit. And Detroit, I mean, they were they were the equal of Detroit. Detroit without Jeremy Grant, Toronto without its four best players. They lost to the Cavs. You got you've you've got the you're either the equal or you got the jump on them in terms of talent. So they they do have all three games against the Kings left. So well, the Kings got to feel like, hey, go go sweep the Thunder. That's three wins. They can still make the playoffs. So yeah, I mean the ten spot. I mean, I think they're a game and a half, or maybe two and a half now. I think two and a half now ahead of the Thunder. So, you know, you you win those three, they they got a shot to get into tenth. New Orleans is messing around, acting like they don't want to make the playoffs. You never know. You never know. Yep. Well, that will do it for us tonight because we're going to be back in just a short while. The Thunder's on the front end of a back-to-back, and we'll play at Washington on Monday night. So get a look at Russell Westbrook against the Thunder for the first time as a Wizard. Um, and then the the Wizards come back to Oklahoma City um, on, on Friday. So that'll be a, a fun couple games against Westbrook and the Wizards coming up. We will recap both of those as we do after every game or almost every game. But thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will catch you next time.